This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Washington defeats Oregon State 27-21 in front of an announced crowd of nobody. It was probably in the stands, probably total maybe 20 people, maybe. Not sure what was up in the press box, but uh, mostly photographers in the stands. None of them allowed down on the field unless they worked for the university itself. But not a lot of people there, but... Uh, First game, definitely some positive, definitely some things that need to be worked on. Weather sucked, by the way, uh, especially in the first half. It was windy, it was raining, and it was cold. But And we talked about this in the preview, guys. When was the last time that Washington played Oregon State where the weather was good? I, I can't remember. I was talking to um, um, Eric Radovich, the uh, PA announcer at Husky Stadium, and I asked him if he could remember um, a game where the weather was good, and he said, you mean basketball or football? Football, never. So, but uh, it's good to get that first one out of the way. Started off, guys. It started off good. They they looked real physical. But what what uh, happened in that second quarter? Uh, for how about the first quarter? <laughs> the, the first drive. I mean, Jalen Jaden Green, you know, stands up there and first snap as a college long snapper and snaps at ten feet over Race Porter's head. Race Porter, for some reason, decides to try and punt with a guy bearing down on him and gets it blocked. Uh, football follies kind of scramble ensues and Oregon state ends up with a touchdown seven, nothing. And people, uh, Kim, you're be glad you weren't on the message boards at that point in time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it was, you know, it was frustrating for Husky fans. Um, I mean, if you look at the final score, 27, 21, you take away that, that touchdown and you can't take it away. Totally. Obviously, but you take that away, and Washington wins this one relatively easily. They win it by 13 points. So, um, not the not the prettiest of wins, but honestly, as someone who likes old time football and thinks they've gotten too far away from power physical football, I loved seeing what happened tonight. You know, Washington turns the ball over. Um, you know, to, for points to Oregon State gets the ball right back. And they just marched right down the field, Chris. I mean, they imposed their will. You know, it just looked like men amongst boys in that first drive, ending with a Sean McGrew touchdown. Well, yeah, and it was actually looking good on the first drive, too. I mean, you could tell right away what they wanted to do. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, protect their new quarterback, give him some some easier throws to complete. And to be fair to to, uh, Dylan Morris in that first half, you know, he had at least three drops that were pretty important drops. Um, you know, he, he completes those and now all of a sudden he's looking really good. You know, you convert a touchdown instead of a field goal, for instance. So I thought, you know, they started off fairly well and, and seemed to be doing what they wanted to do. But yeah, that, that block punt return, that, that was a real kick in the nuts to start off with. If you're Jimmy Lake, you're like, wait a second. 
you know, that, you know, you could look at it and go, okay, well, that's so 2020. But knowing Jimmy, you know, he always talks about it in terms of overcoming adversity. And like you said, Kim, they go right back down the field, five plays, 75 yards. Sean McGrew is just eating up chunks of yards, ends up scoring on a 21 yard run. You're back to seven, seven. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, things are back to normal again. Yeah. On uh, the second punt, Jaden Green, uh, almost, uh, airmailed it again you know what was the reaction that uh, you guys saw on that well I don't I don't know about the reaction to that one particularly but I do want to say that was the most beautiful spectacular long snap I've seen since Ernie Conwell almost took one out of the end zone in the Sun Bowl mm-hmm. I mean that thing was uh Spencer Hawes would not have gotten that nobody would have gotten that one and then this is not the cap on that kid because bottom line is that's, that's nervy stuff. And the thing is, is that, you know, you're used to doing it in front of fans and all that. And I get it. Um, Jimmy couldn't have been more effusive in terms of how that kid overcame the initial mistake, kind of got the jitters out of the way. And, and for pretty much the most of the game, the rest of the game, it was, it was not an issue at all. Um, that's just kind of the way Jimmy Lake's going to approach it. He wants his guys to improve. Yeah. He, he doesn't expect it to be a hundred percent clean. He just wants them to learn from their mistakes, overcome the adversity, and show why they were, you know, brought on as a scholarship player. Hopefully, we'll see that uh, down the road from Jaden Green. Yeah, it was funny on the uh, game broadcast. Uh, uh, Damon Heward said, you know, this, he was replacing AJ Cardi, and he says, "I think that's the first time I've ever said AJ Cardi on the air. You never heard AJ Cardi because he was just perfect all the time." But um, you know, getting those things out of the way, special teams was definitely a little bit of an issue. There was definitely some good things in there. Uh, Trent McDuffie with an electric punt return. Um, Peyton Henry missing a, you know, chip shot field goal, the blocked punt and, uh, Champ Fleming, you know, he, he had some big holes on kick returns. So a lot to clean up on special teams, guys. Absolutely. You know, and some of that comes from playing younger guys. I saw, um, uh, Danny, uh, Daniel Haymuli out there on a, covering a kick and he got pushed out of his lane. <clears throat> Saw another couple of younger guys and then, uh, I don't, was, Ed, I don't know if, yeah, Edifawan was, uh, Ulafosho was out there for all the punt or kickoff coverage that I saw and he made that huge hit on the final kickoff return that stopped him right at the 20 or 21 making uh, Oregon State have to go 80 yards, you know, 80, 80, 79 yards, uh, to get that final touchdown and, and get the go ahead points, which they weren't able to do. Washington, uh, stopped, uh, Oregon State on their first drive. And like I said, it looked like men amongst boys, but boy, then Jamar Jefferson really, really, uh, started to impose his will. Jamar Jefferson finished the night with 23 carries for 133 yards. And, uh, his longest run was 17, but he was just chewing up yardage. What was going, he was, I couldn't, I couldn't tell what was going on along the defensive line, but what was happening there to, uh, open up the holes that he had? Well, hey, Chris, I'll take the, I'll at least start and then you can add something or totally contradict me if you want. But, um, what I saw was a defensive line that was not playing very well. They were allowing the offensive line to get to the second level relatively easy. 
um, and Jackson Sermon and Ulafosio and Tupatala and I'm trying to remember the third guy or the fourth guy that they had in there, but those guys had to take on offensive linemen and weren't able to get off of the blocks. Now it's up to them to get off the blocks and make the play. But the defensive line is supposed to be occupying those guys, and they weren't, and that really hurt them. And, you know, people on our message boards are asking, well, how can our defense be this bad? How can our run defense be this bad? Well, let's take a look at things. Two guys that were they were counting on to be starters this year are gone, Levi Anzarike and Joe Tryon. Those guys are both preparing for the NFL. And then uh, Tuli Latuliga-Sanoa and Leatu Latu, two guys that they were counting on to be starters as well, are are out and we don't know why and hopefully we'll find out on monday how long they're going to be out because it sounds like uh, jimmy lake's going to address that so you know washington was essentially missing four starters along the along the front seven and and that will do it to you so um i think they 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 kind of bowed up when they needed to but um yeah it wasn't a great night for the linebackers or the defensive line in my opinion chris was truly suited not that I'm aware of. He I was not suited. Him. He he was just in. He was there with his uh, uniform or his uh, jersey on, but he had uh, street clothes on. And Leatu uh, Latu, uh, I didn't see him at all. Did you? Did he, he was just... in street clothes. I saw him. He was in. Yeah, same... he was in a picture you sent us. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the same group with Kevin Thompson, who it looked like something's going on. I'm in a sling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Like I don't. I don't want to speculate what that means, but yeah, looks like something's going on with Kevin Thompson. And just. FYI, you know, I, I'm in the stadium and about an hour and a half beforehand and I don't know what Jimmy's thinking, you know, if, if he really thinks that hiding everything that they were doing was going to be effective or not. But, um, that was a warm up pregame like I've never seen before because they didn't do a lot of the drills that we were used to seeing under Chris Peterson in pregame. The quarterback situation, they were just giving them all the same reps. They, Brought four centers out, you know, snapping the ball to the quarterbacks. They weren't showing anything. And then even with the wide receivers and running backs, it was just like they were not trying to show anything to Oregon State. It was just kind of odd, you know. So, um, and then on top of that, nobody in the stadium. And that's what made it really difficult. I don't know if you guys could tell on TV, but I was having a real difficult time because I'm down taking pictures and video and stuff, and I'm used to, you know, hearing a crowd roar or something in the crowd where there's a good play, and, you know, guys are, you know, taking off, you know, with big plays, and I'm having a tough time following it because I'm not hearing anything in the crowd. It was bizarre. It was really, really, really bizarre, especially, and you guys have seen this, especially when there's pressure on the quarterback. You can almost hear the crescendo where it starts and then it starts to build. There was none of that in the stadium at all. Uh, what did it sound like on TV? Just sounded like people were there. By the way, the official attendance was like 294, I think. <laughs> Where'd you see that? Uh, on, on the stat sheet. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. I'm, that's I'm pretty interesting. sure that's what it said. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, it said 294 or 249, 294, yeah. Yeah, I got scolded. I got scolded by a cop, by the way. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, you were there. We weren't, so it, it must be an unusual thing for you. I'm just thinking, following along in the field. To me, it would be a little bit odd unless you were higher up, like in the press box, because when you're in the press box, 
you get that third dimension where you can really look down on them. Yeah. And especially if you have some, some binoculars and stuff, you can really kind of hone in on certain matchups, certain things that you want to see. But when you get closer to the field level and things get more two dimensional, th- that's where it gets difficult, I think, for me. Yeah. Just, I, I was snacking on some stuff and just kind of pulled my mask down to do it. And the cop came up and said, yeah, we got a complaint from the young lady over there that you're taking your mask down once in a while. <laughs> and I said, really? And he goes, yeah, don't worry about it. But I talked to you anyways. So, but I got scolded. So that was fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the player of the game, I don't know if you guys named the player of the game, but uh, the player of the game uh, to me was obviously Zion Tupatala Fatui. Tupuola Fatui. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ZTF, man. He had, he had two tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles. And, uh, two tackles for loss. So, uh, but the problem is he kind of disappeared at the end of the game and we didn't see, I mean, he was out there. We just, he wasn't having an impact. Um, except actually that's not a hundred percent true because he did impact, uh, Gebbia's first, our last pass, didn't he? Chris? Well, I was going to say he, when those, those guys were really sitting back in a shell uh, at that point, that's, that's the, you know, you're talking about that last OSU series. When Ulafosio got his hands on like two balls straight, and then I think what was it Zion that I tipped think the ball to? Asa well, Frank? he didn't he didn't swipe it. What happened was he uh, or no maybe it was a play before I can't remember exactly which one, but he swiped it. Gebbia's arm hit it right as he was winding up to throw, and that really threw it off, and it was a bad throw. Well, I was going to say that whatever whatever somebody tipped the ball to Asa Turner. Yeah, it actually hit, hit off of one of his lineman's uh, helmets is what they said. Someone on the was trying to think. I, I was wondering if it was maybe uh, Ulafosio that did all three of them. Again, I'd have to go back and look because I was busy at the time once it happened. You know, They, they but, credited him with four pass breakups. So. Yeah, it, it, I mean, he, he got his hands on all that stuff. But my point being is that with Zion and the other interior guys along the front, they were only rushing three guys and they were putting they were setting eight back in the shell. Um, because they knew Jebby was going to have to throw, and um, and so they were going to make him pay. Um, it would have been nice to be able to get some pressure that way, but um, clearly once it was obvious they were going to have to throw to get back in the game, um, they had no choice because they had no timeouts. I think they only had about 90 seconds to go the length of the field. Um, made it extremely difficult. And, you know, for, for all the, the faults that Washington's defense may have had in that first half, they only held them to 250 yards total throughout the game, shut them out in the second half. You know, you, you don't allow that punt block touchdown. Now all of a sudden 14 points doesn't look so bad. Um, and then the other thing to consider too, especially if you break down the stats, guys, their longest play from scrimmage, considering how much yards it seemed like Oregon State was racking up, their longest play from scrimmage was 17 yards. That's it. And, that was, and that was a rush by uh, Jamar Jefferson. Correct. Yeah, their longest pass play was to Luke Musgrave for 15 yards. Yeah, Scott, were you a little surprised on how many guys they were rolling in on defense? I mean, Cooper McDonald saw the field. Daniel Muley saw the field. Uh, Alfonso Tupatala saw the field. Um, were you kind of surprised how many guys they were rolling in? Actually, no. I think that's going to be what you're going to see, especially in these early couple games before they really get their – their game legs underneath them um, didn't surprise me at all on uh, Zion because with 
uh, Leatu Latu out. I mean, he was the natural guy to take over and, and play. I was actually surprised that we didn't get to see, and maybe I missed him. Tell me if I did, but I did not see, um, uh, Savelle Smalls in there. Yeah, he played. He was, he was in there. He was in there. Yeah. Okay. So was he in, in fact, the regular played, defense or was he on? He played relatively early. Okay. Yeah, he was in on passing downs. Okay. I, I missed that then. So I apologize about that, but, um, a lot to keep track of. It's a lot easier. That's the one thing I'll say about being at the stadium when you can get the full view and and look down on it. <laughs> you can see a little bit more than we can on the TV. But anyway, uh, no, it didn't surprise me at all. Um, I think Washington feels really comfortable about the guys they're playing and the rotation they're working on. Um, I, I've got to believe that they're going to just continue to battle at that linebacker spot because they've got to get better there, but they've also got to get better at the defensive line spot. If that doesn't get better, it's going to be a long season, especially when you play teams that can run the ball like Washington State right now um, behind that McIntosh kid and Oregon behind um, C.J. Verdell and maybe even um, Stanford who who ran the ball a little bit. To, and, I mean, we saw it with Arizona when they were playing USC today. So Washington's got some teams that can run the ball on their on their schedule. So they gotta they gotta figure out how to stop the run, and and that's gonna be I think a big focus here over the next week. Hey Kim, I was just gonna I was just gonna let you know real quick, just because people were curious about participation. They had less than fifty guys play total, and you know Jack Westover was a starting tight end along with Kate Otten. Um, other than that, and other than Alex Cook starting at DB, I don't think there were any real major. Um, you know, surprises at starter. Obviously, Dylan Morris was the was the one that everyone wanted to know about. But other than that, here are the other players that didn't start but participated. You had Richard Newton, Sean McGrew, Jalen McMillan, Kyler Gordon, Cameron Davis, uh, Tim Horn for the kickoffs. Then you had Puka Nakua, Daniel Hamuli, Roma Dunze, Savelle Smalls, Dominique Hampton, Brandon McKinney, Julius Irvin, Alfonso Tupatala, Cooper McDonald, Braylon Trice. Race Porter for the punts, Peyton Henry for the uh, for the kicks, MJ Tafisi, Drew Fowler, walk on from Bellevue, Corey Luciano, Mark Redman, true freshman tight end, Jaden Green with the long snaps, and then you had Jacob Bandis, uh, walk on freshman Bradley McGannon from um, what was that from Yelm, and uh, Fatui Tuatele. Just taking a look at a few of the stats, you know, start on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Eddie Ulufoscio um, had uh, 10 total tackles, nine solo tackles, but a big stat for uh, Eddie was four pass breakups. Elijah Molden with seven tackles, uh, Jackson Sermon with seven, and um, Zion Tupo Olaf. It's all good. You know, four tackles with four solo, but the big thing is he had two sacks and two tackles for loss and as well as two forced fumbles. But, you know, if you take a look over on the defensive side of the ball for um, Oregon State, they were led by Avery Roberts with 15 tackles and six of them, uh, excuse me, 15 tackles and 12 of those were solo. Let me get over to the offensive side of the ball. Sean McGrew had a big first quarter. He had nine carries for 91 yards. He had a 27-yard touchdown run. Um, Kamari Pleasant, 12 carries for 61 yards. Richard Newton, 15 for 41. Terrell Bynum on a couple of jet sweeps, two for 33. Uh, and uh, Dylan Morris, four for 21. And 
I think every one of those was it three quarterback sneaks and one scramble where he had the huge penalty for the targeting. I think that's right. Yeah, and all three of those quarterback sneaks were for first downs. But uh, um, you know, Dylan Morris, solid game, not spectacular. Fourteen for twenty-four for one hundred and forty-one yards. Quarterback rating of one hundred and seven. Leading receiver Terrell Bynum with four for sixty-six. Cameron Davis with three for nineteen, and Puka Nakua two for nineteen as well. Um, by the way, were you guys a little surprised that Jalen McMillan and Romu Dunsey played as much as they did? Played as much? Yeah. They were in there quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I kind of expected it. Um, I thought they would target them a little bit more, but, uh, I think each of them, well, I'm looking here, um, Odunzi had the one catch for three yards and, uh. Well, he was um, targeted three times. Yeah, one of them was a drop in the end zone. Now granted, he had a guy hanging all over him, so, yeah. um, and, then and McMillan, McMillan wasn't even targeted, so. Yeah, but he had the handoff that he took. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at New Balance. Yeah, and just uh, FYI, 51 total rushes, 51 and 24 passes. Right, but I mean, you, you had 51 rushes, but yeah, it's 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 two for one. Not surprising with a brand new quarterback, a new offensive system, a physical mindset, aggressive men- downhill mentality. I think they just wanted to establish that. I think that that seven and a half minute drive in the fourth quarter that ended up in the field goal um, that was obviously helped with the targeting penalty, but I think that is more indicative of how they want to close a game out. They want to close a game out with with the ball. <laughs> you know, they had the ball for thirty seven minutes, guys, and as Jimmy Lake so astutely put it in the post game uh, press conference. We feel pretty good about uh, not giving up any points to the opposition when we have the ball. So, um, you know, it, it may look ugly. It, it, it may not look very effective at times, but I can see the method to the madness. We've seen it before in, in, in other realms. Obviously, people are looking at this as a throwback-type system or an 80s-type system. You know, a lot of, of, of Dylan Morris under center, for instance, um, you know, he saw some throw, some throwback fullback stuff with Jack Westover, which I thought was interesting. We can see now where Caden Jumper fits into the equation pretty easily. So I, I just thought there were some really interesting moments, and I think these are all things that they can build off of. Like Dylan Morris on that 14-yard scramble that ended up in the targeting at the very end. I think I think Dylan Morris has some scrambling in him. I think he can make some things happen in that part of the game. I think. Right now, that the first job that he was tasked to do tonight was just manage the game. Yeah, he didn't have great completion percentage, and he didn't throw any touchdowns, but guess what? He didn't throw any picks, no fumbles, managed the game. And I know people are going to hate that. They don't like the term game manager. But when you're a redshirt freshman, and you're playing in 2020, and this is your first start, being a game manager isn't the worst thing in the world if you come out with a W. 
Scott, give me the good and bad on uh, Dylan Morris. What would you see? What would you like? Um, what would you raise your eyebrows at? Honestly, there wasn't a lot that I raised my eyebrows at. I knew that he would struggle a little bit if he was trying to um, deliver the ball with guys around him because he isn't very tall. He's only a little over six feet tall. So, um, you know, that didn't surprise me. I'd like to see him move his feet a little bit more. Uh, they were talking about it on the po- on the broadcast about moving his feet to get himself into those windows where he can he can make those throws even though he isn't as tall. Guys like Russell Wilson, guys like um, you know some of these shorter guys, um, uh, you know, there Drew Brees is another one. They're they're able to move their feet around a little bit and then make throws. Well, Dylan Morris needs to be able to do that in order to be successful, and I think that's something that he'll need to work on here over the next. Hopefully they play five more games, but whatever it is, um, you know, hopefully he works on that. But uh, the good, I, I thought he, like Fetter said, he he managed the game well. He didn't try to throw it into coverage. He he made some really nice throws that weren't uh, caught by his receivers, and he didn't seem to get down on them or down on himself. He just, you know, kept managing the game. I thought John Donovan called a heck of a game for the most part. I would have maybe done one thing different on that third third and goal there at the end of the game because I really wanted them. I really thought they should score a touchdown. But overall, I I don't think you can be displeased. I know that there's people who are just going to nitpick and be bitchy about anything that they don't like. But I don't. I just don't see how you can be upset about the way Dylan Morris handled himself and the way he played. Uh, Chris, what did you uh, see from Dylan Morris that you liked, and uh, that uh, maybe you'd like to see some improvement? Well, I think I kind of laid it out in my previous response, just saying that you know I don't think I, I don't think game manager is a four letter word when you're a redshirt freshman and you're starting your first game, and it's 2020 and you've had four false starts in terms of trying to get the season started, or three full starts. And, you know, you, you just have to plot along. And this is a legitimate quarterback battle. Now, we don't know how long Kevin Thompson's been banged up, but, and we don't know if Ethan Garbers was a legitimate threat. We it, the, This could have been a two-man race between Dylan Morris and Jacob Sermon for a long time, for all we know. Um, but the bottom line is, is that, yes, he's not a tall kid. And he didn't try to necessarily use his feet as a weapon to start out with. I think that was deliberate. I think the coaches, I think John Donovan wants to see what he's capable of throwing down the field. But like Jimmy Lake said in the post game, they spied an opportunity running the ball downhill against Oregon State and they took advantage of it. They held on to the ball for 37 minutes. They, what did they end up with? 200 and how many yards of offense on the, on the ground? Uh, 277 or 267. 267, yeah. yeah. But you know, 5.2 yards per carry. Um, you know, you look at that first drive where they go 75 yards in five plays and Sean McGrew slicing them and dicing them like Ginsu. It's, um, it doesn't look like an awful strategy to try to at least give your, redshirt freshman quarterback, a nice kind of comfy landing to start off with. Um, yeah, I, other than the fact that, yeah, he got some balls knocked down, but Tristan Jebby at the end of the game got three balls deflected, one picked off. So I don't know what to tell you. It's, it, it might be a facet of his game that, that clearly he's going to have to work on, whether he needs to just slide step like Scott kind of laid it all out. You know, Does he have to just slide a little bit? Does he have to... Just kind of maneuver himself and give himself a little escapability to, to find a passing lane. 
because it looks like there's some crossing lanes that that they like to use. Some they like to layer a little bit. I, I but I thought ultimately um, he did a really great job of just limiting the mistakes. If if the worst he can be accused of is having some balls batted down uh, in his very very first start, I think overall that's that's not too that's not too bad. That's really not too bad. One of the big weapons that they still have that they didn't use with uh, is their tight ends. They've got some really good tight ends. Kate Otten, you know, one reception. That was it. So that's something that I think next week we can look forward to. Maybe, you know, Kate Otten getting a few more targets. And, you know, maybe the um, reins being taken off of Dylan Morris a little bit more and giving him a little bit more of the playbook to work with. But uh, overall, you know, 27 to 21 win with... You know, your first game of the season, Oregon State had already played a game, and you're starting a lot of new guys on the offensive line and a new quarterback, and uh, I'm sure there's stuff to pick apart. Just uh, real quick, just going over the team stats. Washington, 408 total yards. Uh, Oregon State, 252 uh, passing yards. Oregon State only had 85 passing yards. Tristan Gebbia was 11 for 24 for 85 yards. You know, he had the one uh, interception, but rushing yards. There's the big number. Washington with 267 yards, and we'll have to do some research. What you know? It, has it been that long since they had that big of a rushing game, Chris? I doubt it. I mean, you know, they've had thousand yard rushers every single year for a number of years now. So, no, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they've had those kind of days before. Yeah. Um, it just, it just obviously with this kind of running style and this kind of pro style attack, it looks a lot different. But you got to remember when you have Savon Achman going for 80 plus yards against USC or 60 plus yards against Oregon State last year and, and blowing out some chunks, they didn't really do that today. I mean, the long run today was 27 yards. So we really haven't seen what they're going to do in terms of getting that explosive uh, ball when they can get it into the second level, find some green to run into. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I just, I would say, Kim, before you, you know, go into the stats a little bit more, I would just say ultimately you talked about some of the things that next week can, can portend. There's so much that they can run off this offense. This offense to me looked very vanilla and I don't think I'm going to get a lot of argument from that, but that's scripted. I mean, that's understood. Because there's going to be a lot of vanilla elements to this to this attack, where now all of a sudden you throw a little wrinkle here, a little wrinkle there. Now all of a sudden it kind of looks a little dynamic, and maybe you can offer a little bit more in the play action game. Maybe you can get Dylan Morris out a little bit more with his feet. Maybe roll him a little bit in the pocket, do some other things. But I just think that this this style of attack that that we saw tonight really opens themselves up to a number of possibilities. And it's not all just going to be about three yards and a cloud of dust, but I think we also saw how it was important to have that in your arsenal because they went eight of 16, third down, two of two and fourth down. So, I mean, I think fans would probably take those numbers every single day of the week, I would imagine. Yeah, the five penalties, you know, for 35 yards in the first game of the year, that's um I mean, that's a pretty good number. You, you, Of course, you'd like to have no penalties, but only five in the first game of the year, I think, is a pretty good number. And then the one that you kind of went by real fast, I think the uh, big number there is third down conversions. They were 8 of 16, 50% on third down conversions, while limiting Oregon State to uh, 4 of 12. And I, I think that's a pretty big number as hey, well. Hey, Kim, yeah. I pretty, I, in my 
predictions, I predicted Washington could have double digit, uh, flags. So, um, cause, you know, first game of the year, it's always sloppy. I mean, what do preseason games look like? Yeah. You know, you see a ton of flags. So the fact that they kept it till 11 between the two schools and Washington was just at five, you got to count that as a win. I would also so- say too, real quick guys, when breaking down the time of possession by quarter, you know, it was 37 to 23. But if you look at it, first quarter, they had it almost 12 minutes. Fourth quarter, they had it almost 12 minutes. That tells me you're starting the game out. You want the ball. You want to establish what you're doing. At the end of the game, you want the ball to keep it away from the opposition. So you're the one dictating the tempo. You're the one dictating what's going to happen on the field. And I thought, you know, if you look at just those numbers, the way they break down, I, I would think it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed if you're Jimmy Lake or John Donovan to think, yeah, it, it probably went pretty according to plan. There was obviously some things that they would love to clean up, and that's what you do when you go out and practice. But ultimately, yeah, low penalties, a lot of possession, running the ball over five yards a clip. I think given what they tried to do offensively, I think you'd have to think that, that Saturday night was – uh from that aspect, it was a success. Total possession, time of possession, Washington with 36, 59, 37 minutes, and Oregon State with 23 minutes, and um, total plays. Washington had 75, uh, Oregon State with 58. So, uh, good game. Nice to get it out of the out of the way and uh, move on to Arizona, but it's getting late. We've still got a lot of work to do. Scott, what have you got to wrap us up? Uh, my wrap-up is be happy. You're 1-0. Uh, imagine being Penn State right now and being 0 and 4. Okay. Yeah. So they're 1 and 0. Um, hopefully they get to play five more games. I think this team has so much to improve upon and they still played well. Um, you know, considering all the factors that were against them. And, um, I, I think this team can do nothing but get better. I still see the possibility of winning a conference title, but obviously they're going to have to improve every week and they've got some tough games ahead of them with Washington state who's playing pretty well, Oregon, who's playing pretty well and Arizona who really stepped up uh, this week and gave you USC all they could handle at home. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Yeah, I just think overall, um, just glad to get the season underway, frankly. Um, was never sure it was going to come until literally the ball got kicked off. Um, I think obviously the focus was on the offense, what it would look like, how would they establish themselves. I thought overall with a first-time quarterback and Dylan Morris, he's got to take confidence from this game, didn't turn the ball over, was methodical in his approach. Um, I, you know, Obviously, I'll have to look back at the game tape to see what kinds of things did he try to do in terms of maybe checking down and what kind of decisions were made, whether or not he was even making those decisions. We'll have to ask Jimmy on Monday. But I thought overall everything that we were told prior to the game in terms of a pro style, um, run happy, downhill, aggressive physical attack, I think all that was true. I think all of that was true. And, um, you know, they certainly need to add more of the passing component to what they're going to do to really keep teams off balance. And I think that will come, but ultimately you got to get your quarterback established. You got to get him some confidence. And I think that did happen tonight defensively, man, it looked rough in the first half, but to come out and make the adjustments that we know coach K is capable of making shutting Oregon state out in the second half. I think they had eight total rush yards in the fourth quarter. 
Um, that's what you would expect out of a Washington defense. That's what you would expect out of death row. So ultimately, a lot of positives take from this. The coaches are going to be happy because they can still get all over these guys. They know that there's still a ton they can improve on, especially in special teams, especially in the cover game. But, yeah, ultimately, 27-21, you come out with a win. A lot of teams would be, they'd be loving to be 1-0 right now. Not a lot of seniors on this roster. This is still a really young football team, and you saw some flashes of brilliance, you know, from some really young players. Trent McDuffie out there with the punt return, and I thought the secondary played outstanding uh, tonight. Everybody in the secondary, and, you know, the defensive linemen are young guys, and Eddie Ulafusio's, um, you know, uh, an experienced guy, but the rest of those guys are all just really young, young guys along the offensive line, young guys at wide receiver, a young guy at quarterback. This is not an experience-laden team. They've played a lot of football, but they're still – a lot of, you know, second and third year players that are main contributors on this team. And when you have a team that's that young, they can do nothing but get better. But the other thing was they rolled a lot of guys in. A lot of guys got playing time, you know, so um, I think they're building some depth. And we all know if you're going to go a long way in this conference, depth is key, you know, especially with the injuries. So 27-21 over Oregon State, Arizona next week with a 5 o'clock kickoff and um yeah, Pac-12, it's underway. So uh, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.